2: I hope you had a great week. Uh, I mean, I, I had a week, you know, uh, it's not, it's not important to say what happened. I just, I've made a lot of cookies in the last 48 hours. I've also not eaten a lot of cookies. I just like cooking them and then, you know, taking them out and looking at them for a while. Anyways, hi! Um, Today's special guest is truly, truly, truly special. Uh, As he says in this interview, he didn't have to do this. (laughs) He says it with love, though, don't worry. Um, But this particular guest is an icon, a gay icon, an Asian icon, an Asian gay icon. (laughs) He's the best. I can't believe uh, you're about to hear him tell some stories. It's BD Wong, folks. And if you thought for a second, we weren't going to talk about Mulan. You're not wrong. It's just that we, you know, we talk about more things. You know him, you love him from Jurassic Park to Mr. Robot to M. Butterfly. Like, he has done everything. And honestly, like, it is a blessing uh, that we got to share some time together because he was literally filming two things at once, uh, but we, well, the way we recorded this, just as a heads up, was um, at a very nice studio. However, the quality is different than some of our other interviews, so my apologies if you feel as though it's a little harder to hear. Uh, I was just honestly really excited and <laughs> did not totally check everything before we did. It. So, that's my B. But I hope that you're having a good week, and I love that you're back to hear some more stories, because we freaking need it. We freaking need it right now. I love him. Here he is, Mr. B.D. Wong.
0: I used to think I was just, I don't know, like, surviving or going, you know, doing what I could to make it in the business or whatever. But now I'm like, no, you really like this. You really like, like, you'll find something to do to do it sometimes. There are many many times when I feel like I have to just like chill and I have to do nothing and veg out and stuff like that. That happens and that usually happens after really intense um series of events. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I, I, I squeezed you in. <laughs> I squeezed you in. Yeah. I, you. I wanted to do that. I, I, I think you're great and I, I wanted to um I like to This is actually what I mean. This is actually <laughs> what I mean. I could have said no to this and I wanted to do it and I didn't want to not. I'd rather I'd rather do it and squeeze it in and feel um, a little bit kind of like it's squeezed in than not do it and then oh what would that experience have been like if I hadn't done it? That's that's how I feel about it.
2: That's so kind. I feel like if you just like and if you're just you're that way about everything in life. Yes. Thing is things are lovely.
0: <laughs> I think that, and I, and I think that's true, and I, and I really believe that. I thought, I like, I, I mean, I really believe that about living, like, mm-hmm. you, do, you, you have opportunities. I think I, I grew up, or I started out in this business, really worrying about what the opportunities would be. Okay, you know, oh. that, an opportunity comes, and you have to take it, and an opportunity comes, you have to take it, and, and, and I was, I married myself to that, and I, and I maybe helped me get where you know, to a certain level of success. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it's a life thing that you, that it enhances your life to make sure that you don't just, I I don't, I don't prefer people who kind of go, um, no, whatever, I'm busy or I don't feel like it or whatever. I I rather like, I like, I'm always attracted to people who jump into things and I like those kinds of people. I, I like being that kind of person.
2: There's always a huge difference that I've, like, seen in this, like, particular business where it's, like, people that are burdened by things and then people are, that are excited yeah, by them. And yeah. so it's, like, oh, I gravitate more to, like, oh, my gosh, what a wonderful opportunity. This is so much fun. Rather than, like, I have to go to this audition. Yeah. I have to go to this. Yeah, open my God. Right, right. It's, like, ugh. That's too bad. <laughs> I mean,
0: because we always, people either said to us or we say to younger people now, you know, if you don't do it unless you're really into it. Because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of <laughs> energy that you have to put into it, and so for a person to be in the business and be kind of whiny like that is, <laughs> is a little strange to me.
2: Yeah, Lee. so you. I feel like you've been performing for such a long time, but you've stayed so ageless. <laughs> like wow. we, we're so lucky; these Asian genes keep us young as fuck. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. You know, I, I think about this a lot because people say it a lot, and I. I don't feel old. That's the one thing. I mean, I don't have any advice. I'm not, not that you're asking me for advice, but I don't I don't have advice for people when they ask about how to be the way that I am. Yeah. But I never think about it at all. And I think that's got something to do with it. I never think about... I, I'm only, I only think about it when I'm made to think about it, when someone forces me to... to like when someone says, well, you know, you're old, so therefore... And, I, and then I have to go, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be processing this moment through the lens of my age, which I didn't realize I would need to do. Right. But I think that not doing that generally creates a sense of freedom in you. And I'm also perfectly capable of going playing the age card or going to the age place. <laughs> not that I'm, say- I'm not saying I don't ever do that. I do do that. But in general terms, I kind of see things in what might be perceived as an ageless way. I don't mm-hmm. think of... I, I'm not burdened by it at all. I'm not yet physically burdened by it. I'm not, like, feeling aches and pains and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> so that, that helps, I think. Aww. But also the perspective you have as you get older is a nice thing. And I didn't embrace that before or didn't understand it in some of my older friends when I was younger and i like it now i like being able to say ah i have i can make this decision based upon a greater list of experiences than before it's mm-hmm. just a natural you, there's nothing to brag about it just is a thing that happens to you you can do with it what you want to do with it and I, and i like that and, and 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 i try to do that i try to just i just try to be open and not think about it
2: nice so can you tell me a story that reminds you of like early performing days for you whether that's like stage or screen or just like in your living room
0: yeah and you know as you're saying this i'm gonna try really hard to to think of something that isn't that something that because what i usually would say yeah what do you usually say i usually (laughs) talk about how i was the um um the most the, the most adorable member of my elementary school chorus. Of course. And I had these big black government issue glasses and this straight bang bowl cut. Mm. And I looked just like a character from a television show that was on at the time called My Three Sons and his name was Ernie. Mm-hmm. And I have side-by-side pictures I'll show you that look exactly like Ernie. And I usually tell, and I'm going to tell it now, but I, I will tell you something else to go with it if you want. Um, that my teacher, Miss Clazy, was... Uh, really into me and really saw in me that I had this kind of uh, energy and I was kind of fearless or kind of I was enthusiastic that's what I was Mm -hmm. and so she I got little solos in the school chorus and it was a very basic kind of very basic harmony kind of easy chorus to be in like I hear choruses now these days and kids when I grew up did not sing that way that kids sing now but anyway we were in the chorus And I would get little solos. And then she would also give me little assignments in the winter concert or whatever to introduce the songs. Mm -hmm. And I think she did so because I had a way about me that was kind of outgoing and... and... I guess it was cute. And and, and, (laughs) and, and so I was kind of of precocious and bespectacled and and people liked me. And I I, I was the tiniest person in the whole choir. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the middle of the first row and the tallest people were on the outside um, outside of the same line of students that I was in so the, the whole choir went like this to uh. <laughs> and, and and I remember my dad bringing a little cassette recorder and recording the, the concerts and he had all these tapes that I still have and, and very nice warm feelings about performing but that's what I always say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's I always like say
0: that's that my go-to. I remember that it was the the genesis of me being kind of finding something that really worked for me. Like I liked that. I liked the attention I got from the people off stage and on, and from the teacher. That and I liked being, doing something that other people didn't want to do. Like they were kind of just. They weren't performers. The other kids, they you know, she might have given other kids assignments like mine to share the hosting of the MC right. um, tasks, but they weren't as into it as I was, and I was I turned it on in this big way. <laughs> so, I, I remember that that was a seed that got well, something happened mm-hmm. when I was doing that, and then I eventually went on to play in the school orchestra, and I played. I was a musician for a long time, and then it wasn't until high school that I. What, in what instrument job. did you play? I played the violin. Uh, oh, oh,
2: fancy. Yeah. You had strings I at your school?
0: I had, I had strings at my school. Wow. Yes, see, where did you grow up?
2: See, I grew up in Georgia.
0: Okay. <laughs> now, <this is laughs> There's very no strings. Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of work um, with mm-hmm. school student musicians mm-hmm. in North Carolina. South. You
2: know. Yeah. Not Georgia,
0: but it's the South. It is. And it's like real marching band mentality. And yeah. Band that mentality. But they also do have string programs and strings that work alongside these other groups. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm interested in the one or the other kind of feel. Yeah. But when I grew up in my public school in San Francisco, there was a lot of funding and it was very, very basic. Mm -hmm. I did have... She did... I think it's because this particular teacher could teach me strings. She could teach all the instruments. So she taught us... She taught me the violin. And she taught me... I'm I'm not realizing I didn't realize this she taught us all the instruments she didn't have somebody coming in and teaching well that's what band teachers and orchestra teachers do
2: but still like that is such a skill
0: it was yeah and so that's partly why there were Mm. strings at my school maybe maybe (laughs) other band teachers or orchestra teachers in in your school or whatever didn't or wouldn't or couldn't teach the strings and so each kid you know this is where you realize Grace that that your experience as a child is made up entirely of whatever you're exposed to or whatever you're not exposed to. A thousand you, percent. you could be a great string player and not even know that you would have been. And there's nothing wrong, there's nothing to regret about that because life is full of infinite experiences, hopefully, and and hopefully you are overlapping and your talent and your sensibility or whatever are overlapping with whatever exposure you're you know, getting mm-hmm. to something.
1: And when those things connect,
0: you're great. Like I, I I met in high school a drama teacher and I was a drama kid and things happened because of it. Yeah. But anyway, I was a I was a musician and, and then I became an actor in high school when I when I met this teacher. And then everything changed at that point for me because it went from a whole it went from that seeing the elementary school concert to a whole other level of playing yeah. characters and being a storyteller and
2: because you start I'm off good. as a ham. Like, yes, you start off exactly being like... that's
0: exactly right. That's yeah, what I call it. it. That's exactly what I called it. It's that's the ham. exactly right on. I was <laughs> a total ham. And, and I was a hammy kid, and, and I would do things to get attention. I, I noticed my son, when he was little, doing this, too, at dinner parties <laughs> and stuff like that, putting on records and dancing, or... My son, in my son's case, doing little plays that he made up Aww. and and commandeering the whole dinner party. And I let him do it. I yeah. let him just, like, I have burned the dinner a few times <laughs> doing it because, you know, I wanted he just let him go. And my friends, oh my gosh, were so incredible just watching him for half an hour performing <laughs> and putting on wigs and dancing around and playing different characters and stuff. And I think that... You know that freedom and that openness is, are really good for kids. And I think it's
2: like, really nice. Bless you for letting your child do that, because I feel like so many parents would just be like, "Okay, stop. There's pe- we have guests." Yeah.
0: Like I have. No. A- yeah. Yeah. He, he would. He wouldn't. You know, he got. He got really fancy. Yeah. He started making <laughs> programs. He printed them out. He designed them on the computer, mm-hmm. at the family computer, and then he printed them out three little folds and like there would be a, an ad for uh, the um, Ford Escort on the back that he would make drive the Ford Escort fly the Ford you know and then he would have this is today's program and this is what the show is and this is the name of today's shows. and he had two um, he had two companies he was the only person in them but he had two companies the first one was called Fourth Street Com- uh, um no the first one was called The Grand Show G-R-A-N-D-E show, S-H-O-W-E Z Grand Show, that was him performing, and then he changed it for whatever reason to a 4th Street Comedy Trio we lived on 4th Street at the time and, <laughs> and and the 4th Street Comedy Trio was designed for that reason that you were talking because he was aware that it, his shows couldn't be too long and so he said, well they're all going to be 3 minutes the 4th Street Comedy Trio that's the trio part
2: it's a tight 3
0: yeah and, of course, they never were anywhere close to three minutes, his idea of three minutes was very fascinating. Um, anyway, he, he it, it is interesting to uh, uh, let a kid do their thing. Yeah. And to, and as a, as a result, he has confidence and, um, you know, to a fault, really. He's of a generation of kids that, that does their thing and, and, and knows what it wants in a much better way and is better at expressing it than I sure was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also has with that what comes with that, hopefully good manners, and um, and so that he can get what he wants through the usage of good manners, as opposed yeah. to just demanding it. Right. <laughs> and then also he has a sense of knowing what he likes, what makes him tick, and kind of always looking for that, saying, you know, I know that this will make this will work for me, so let, I want to try to go for that, and that has informed his college choice and his his you know all of his life choices and I I've struggled with those life choices those same ones I mean I knew I wanted to be an actor but mm-hmm. how I would go about that was much less clear to me than it, than his path is for him and, and I think it's partly because he he has a, a a clearer channel to knowing what it is that he actually wants
2: yeah that's It is it is really hard, especially now. I, I don't know the difference, obviously, because I'm in this world now. Yeah. But can you tell me, I guess, like, a story of, like, you getting into that besides, like, well, and then I did this, and da-da-da-da?
0: <laughs> well, a story of getting into what, specifically? Tell like, me. theater. Oh. Well, I, you know, I mean, the story is that I was in my um, math class or something, and I was... Uh, sitting next to a good friend of mine, um, Sherry Samuel, whose parents had a little um, community theater company and she was sometimes played the, 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 the child's part in a show or whatever. And and she knew what it was like to be in the theater. And a teacher came into the class, interrupted the class, and said, we're recruiting musicians for the, the school musical and, and you know I want to sign people up. And I, and I said, oh, well, I played the violin i really think the school musical that sounds kind of cool there's an orchestra and there's actors on stage and you know i've seen musicals i, I love them and, and okay so so i'll do that and, and she just adamantly said no you don't want to do that she said you the action is not in the orchestra pit the action is on the stage and i did secretly want it you know because i was hammy but we have established i wanted to do it and i wanted to um have somebody make me do it Mm -hmm. and so I just went with it oh well if she if you want to do that I'll go and do that with you you know it's kind of the way it was (laughs) and that's when I met this teacher who gave um all the leading parts of this show which was guys and dolls to the upper class people and upper class persons and said you know I can't give you a part but um if you hang out I will give you a little part if I need somebody to do this or a little that if you hang out I'll do that. And I hung out every day. I sat next to her or near her. And when she needed a policeman, I was a policeman. When she needed a, a guy to break a bottle over somebody's head in a brawl, I did it. And when I she needed a voice on the telephone, I did I played a string of parts. And I had all these costume changes. And I ended up having like a big part, not really a big part, but I had lines and I had You
2: had things to do. I had
0: things to do throughout the whole show. <laughs> and then from that that began this kind of relationship with her, where she Gave me a lot of opportunities that other teachers would not have given me, and I was grateful for it, including let me letting me direct and choreograph and design the sets and design the posters and and all of this stuff. But she just fully accessed me and said, "You you can't um, you mustn't squander this potential that you have. You don't know what it will bring you, but you have to explore all these different things that you know how to do or that you can do or that you have an affinity for." And then they'll, it'll, you'll discover it. So even today, now, wow. now, at, at the age that I'm at, I'm still read, acquainting myself with being a writer and a director and 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 re- and creating things from a non-performance perspective, and that's all stems back. It all goes back to mm-hmm. Mrs. Chanis and and her faith in me. But it wasn't just faith in me. It was like her do- being what a, doing what a teacher can really do, which is like, oh, I see this person and this person. There's all this stuff going on, and they they don't know how to focus it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that I was like this completely unfocused. I'm I'm absolutely sure, and that she was <laughs> able to say, "Well, right now, here, look, here's a job for you. I need a poster for this this year's show, so design a poster." And then I would spend forty eight hours concentrating on that one task, the
2: font type, and, and then how the, to do it. yeah, yeah.
0: And and then she talked, she brought me, took me from that stage to the print shop teacher at school mm-hmm. to teach him how to print these posters and what how the, how that works without taking print shop. How, you know, show him that process. So I learned all these random things <laughs> throughout my whole high school career. I was a terrible student, probably because I was so enlivened by all these
2: really... Well, that didn't things. matter. Yeah, like... It didn't really That, matter. that didn't matter, because you had all this other stuff going yeah. on.
0: Like, at the time, it didn't. <laughs> and, and, and even now, it all worked out for the, the way that I needed it to work out. I don't recommend people um not being good students but for me my energy just went to a whole other
1: place
0: mm-hmm. but I'm not so sure if I really answered your question but that is kind of me talking oh, okay. about for a little bit on <laughs> on the subject of how I got into it
2: I absolutely freak out when it comes to singing harmonies I hear someone sing a different note than me and I assume I'm wrong I've always looked for a better way to train my ear and give myself more confidence in my harmony singing ability now I get to tell you about my new go-to app harmony helper Playbill Features writer Ruthie Fireberg calls Harmony Helper a lifesaver for auditioning actors. con star and Harmony Helper artistic advisor Rob McClure has called the app a game-changer for the musical theater industry. Harmony Helper will help you develop the skills to harmonize using the newest tech available. With Harmony Helper, I can literally scan a sheet of music with the camera on my phone, and the app does some kind of witchcraft and maps out the Harmony parts. It converts each line of music to audio, allows you to control the playback volume for custom control over your learning process, and then this, this is the crazy part. It provides real-time feedback to let you know if you're singing your part correctly. Take the rehearsal room into your own hands with Harmony Helper. Download it in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. You could literally—that's the thing I try to tell people, is that, like, I could make a suggestion, and if you never talk about that thing, yes, I don't care. Right. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that, people are interesting. That, that yeah. That is the general—or hopefully they are. And, and so when someone's talking about what's something that means something to them, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you—okay, so I guess, like, to give you some backstory— I remember being in, like, middle school theater. And funny enough, actually, we were doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Oh, wow. And at the time, I was telling uh, my drama teacher, um, I was like, well, I mean, like, because I was, of course I was a Lucy, like, hardcore. I'm (laughs) a Lucy, like, head to toe, whatever. And I was like... I can't wait to do this, like, I will be, because I thought what I was doing was momentous, I will be the first Asian person in this show, and he was like, you are not at all the first Asian person in this no, 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 show. No, 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 no. Also, it's, like, middle school theater, I'm acting like if it's, like, my off-Broadway debut, yes, yes. because it is.
0: Might as well, though, I mean, you have to, in order to be committed to it, you do, I mean, but anyways. Yes,
2: but he, yeah. but he shows me clips of you doing, uh-huh. like, Madam Butterfly, and he shows me clips of you, like, doing Charlie Brown, and I was like, oh, like, I didn't like it. Didn't compute for me that people existed yes. in this realm because well, I had would? not seen them. Yes. I had not seen them, especially like growing up in Georgia. I never, like, there there are no Asians. I don't know if you know. Like, <laughs> they there are some in Atlanta. I just yes, did right. not see them at all. Like my community was actually eighty percent Hispanic. Uh-huh. So I grew up being like bilingual, uh-huh. and so that was my understanding of everything yep. was. I don't. Was your community like uh, very Asian? Were you like was, I was yeah. stand out? Like what's going on?
0: No, I mean it was. It, I have a, a lot of different um, uh, overlapping environments.
1: Mm-hmm. I grew
0: up in San Francisco, so tons of Asian people, tons of Chinese American yeah. people. My great grandparents came to um, San Francisco. Was an ideal place for people to come from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so tons of Cantonese speak. Chinatown there is like super intense and like a little. It's like going to a foreign country. It's like you can not hear English at all. Even today still, Chinatown is a very intense Chinese-centric community. Mm -hmm. And I grew up moving away from the Chinatown area when I was born because I have an older brother and then I and my younger brother were born and then we moved out of that area into a more um, a development that was near the beach that was way away from Chinatown. You had to drive into China. You had to go downtown to go to Chinatown um, for my mom to go shopping or whatever, and and so I had a much more, um, in a public school upbringing, a much more less Chinese centric kind of upbringing, mm-hmm. um, and and yet there were a lot of Asian kids in my um, community, and particularly in high school, there was a high school that all the Asian kids got into and went to, and most of my friends. I didn't get into it, but both my friends went went to that high school, which is called Lowell, which is also where my older brother went. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of an academic, um, um, emphasized um, uh, high school in in San Francisco. So I had this kind of backdrop of Asian identity. Um, My parents drove me to a youth group in San Francisco, in San Francisco Chinatown, every week, and during middle school and elementary school and um, probably ended when, in high school when I started doing plays but that was a way for them to kind of have us touch base with our Chineseness nice. which we kind of didn't know what to do with, we weren't yeah. sure at the time because you're just in it, you don't really know yeah. but now I look back on it and I go oh I see that was very valuable and very, gave mm-hmm. me a lot of context and gave me a lot of an identity and I, I just directed a play uh, that took place in, in Chinatown with a teenage boy in San Francisco, Chinatown and I understood that boy a lot mm-hmm. better than I would have if I hadn't had that experience. So that's that's great. And there were also lots of gay people, and it was the seventies, and there were um, there was a lot of um, growing understanding about the gay community uh, and tension about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And tension for young kids like me who were.
0: You know, realizing or understanding more and more what their relationship to that community might be, well, but but the, <laughs> the point is that um, m- around me were these different communities of people, and in some ways I went in and out of feeling like I belonged in them.
2: Oh yeah. You know,
0: like you don't really know if you belong in the gay community when you're a young gay kid that's discovering that part of you. You okay. actually kind of push it away at the in the beginning. If, in fact, you get the signals from the outside world that it's not cool to be that. <laughs> and, and so I, I felt like, oh well, I know I have these feelings, but maybe they're just feelings and maybe they go away or whatever. And then kind of trying to ignore that. And then the Asian-American thing was of great conflict to me. I wanted to be an actor, and I didn't know why or how I would be looking yeah. at what was on television at the time. So... I have real conflicted feelings of, I had very conflicted feelings about these these overlapping communities and what my role in them might or might not be, and I have a, I find similarities in my feelings for each of these communities, like they're minority communities, there's a stigma about them when it comes to being an actor in some ways, there's, um, there are individual things that at this point in time I would say are the, are the most identifying things about me, the things that I like about me. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there were things I wanted to push away, both of them. And so coming around was a, <laughs> big, um, a big journey for me. And it took um, certain jobs that I had and certain experiences that I had in those jobs and a certain amount of success to feel um, all-embracing about both of these communities. And it took parenthood. Parenthood yeah. was a part of it. When I became a, a parent, I felt that coming out was absolutely essential. And that being out as a as a gay parent at the time was was really uh, it, it was, there was no other, there was no way around it, actually. Yeah. And it was also important. And so I, I I really got into it at that point and I was really super happy to be gay because of the, <laughs> the, the situation I was in, and and I and that was that was very positive.
2: And that was just, what, like, you'd say, like, 20 years ago?
0: Yeah, my son was um, born through surrogacy, and mm-hmm. he was conceived in concept during Charlie Brown. Wow. Well. <laughs> it was, like, during Charlie Brown that it, my, my, my partner then and I, my, my, my son's other dad, um, said, let's have a baby. And it was actually when we were on tour with Charlie Brown Um, because we went on this big tour before we came to New York. We were in Illinois. We were in Detroit, St. Louis, and um, Wilmington, Delaware. And on one of those five stops, it was when we were in Chicago, that I went to the sperm bank (laughs) in, in Oak Park, Illinois. I drove was hilarious because I had a certain day that I could do this because we were in tech, and we were re- rehearsing all day. We were changing the show constantly. We were yeah. in Skokie, Illinois. And I had to go to Oak Park, and I there was a window of time that I could get away and do this. Maybe it was the day off or something like that. And I, I, I had to go to the car rental place to rent a car, and all they had was a giant red pickup truck. Oh. So I drove this big redneck pickup truck to Oak Park, did my thing. And came back. And when I came back to the hotel with this big red pickup truck, Ilana, Levine, Lucy, and mm-hmm. Kristen Jenna were in front of the hotel. But what are you doing? And I and I just said, You have no idea.
2: You're like, I'm, I'm getting I'm a baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was very funny and very. Um, I remember thinking, Oh, I'm going to remember this because it's just so interesting and, and strange. And I was having such an intense experience doing that show because. They really put us to work Mm. um, on the road, refining the show, you know, reversing the show all day and then doing a different version of the show at night and having to put up on the call board. (laughs) This is tonight's show, by the way. We're not doing that one anymore. Now we're doing this one. This version of it. this time, we're doing this one instead of this. And the order's changed, and this is how we're doing it. Don't forget.
2: (laughs) And people don't realize, like, you're being handed a new script. Yes, you're being, yeah. like, you're getting new pages. Yeah. Oh, we're cutting this part. Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy and it's, and it's thing. And great. And
0: even, like, you know, I, got, I don't know, I don't have a specific remembrance of this, but, for example, if you're an usher in that theater and you see the show <laughs> one night and then the next night it's like, wait, how did that happen exactly? Mm-hmm. Because the, the show would be rather different and, and fun in that way. And, 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 and it was a great experience to do that. It was a really positive Learning experience for
2: me. It looked like a fun group of people.
0: It was a very fun group of people. A lot of, um, there was a lot of, you know, when you work with um, funny people and when you (laughs) work with talented people, there's a lot of really great brain action that can happen. And also, funny people can sometimes be really crazy. And (laughs) myself included. I'm not like, I'm not saying that, oh, they were all crazy and I wasn't we all fed off each other in this kind of kind of cool way. Mhm. And and we were all like and it was such a small group, six of us that we were all kind of intensely in it together. You you couldn't escape each other. You couldn't you couldn't um, separate yourself from that. Yeah. And so uh, you know, uh, I guess you could on your day off or whatever but, but when you're on, in that theater and you're on the stage it was a real ensemble effort and mm-hmm. that, that was really nice to be in a, a tight knit group like that
2: I gotta take a second and tell y'all about my personal training coaches, Steve and Rachel Payne at House of Payne. I've been doing their workout programs, let's say three years, and they shape bodies. And yes, they prepare people to compete in bodybuilding shows, which some of it's your jam. It's not my jam. What I love about them is that they understand the look that I want, tone, fit, something that's sustainable for my lifestyle. They create a custom individual plan that includes my workouts, my cardio, and my nutrition. I do their online program, but when I'm in Atlanta, I do one-on-one training with them at their facility, and it kicks my ass. They FaceTime me whenever I have questions, alter my plan when needed, and no matter what stage you want to step on, competition, career, lifestyle, a red carpet, wedding, whatever it is, House of Pain Personal Training is the most personal training you can get. Visit their website, trainwithpain, T-R-A-I-N with P-A-Y-N-E dot com for more details. Well, it's like when you work, I feel like people um, kind of associate a lot of your work with very serious things. Yes. But then I'm like, honey, have you seen Father of the Bride? Like, do you, are you aware? <laughs> I find,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm always in conflict about that, like on Twitter and things like that. Yeah. Because it is true and and i think it's i'm sensitive about it because the business relegates you right Mm. the business wants to the 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 business of show business the entertainment industry they're comfortable most in most cases taking a person and trying to say this is who they are just a little box for you yeah yeah an identity for them Mm -hmm. and and i always found that um I never even paid attention to that. I was always trying to kind of do my thing, and and I don't like to repeat things, and so I always try to. And so sometimes, if not repeating something, meant being funny when I wasn't funny before. <laughs> and that's, what I, that's what that's what that's that's a choice that I would make, and I enjoy for many years now trying to bounce around in that way, and so at this late stage, for people to say, oh, you know, you should try comedy. <laughs> it's. It's odd to me because, (laughs) and yet it's it's indicative of the way that people are exposed to actors and um, performers, and in their own limited way. Yeah. And 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 people, some people are going to delve into what a person's into and who they are and what their sensibility is or what their artistic energy is all about. Mm -hmm. And some people are perfectly happy you just doing that one thing. Like, oh, you're such a good villain. And, and, and maybe I am a good villain. I'm not saying I'm not a good villain, but it's a very reductive thing to kind of say. yeah.
2: And, I, and I'm fascinated by the mechanism that
0: creates that, that people have where they assume mm-hmm. in their limited thinking that, that that would be all there was to a person.
2: Yeah, it's like I don't know if you're aware, but actors have range. Yeah, well, people have range. <laughs> yeah, people. You know,
0: even our, even your friends and your, your co-workers and stuff. We're all different people in different. I mean, it's like that thing when you when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery store, and you freak out because it's like, oh, that's weird. I don't. You're like, out of see place. That person in a jogging suit, like with this holding, you know, p, you know, package of meat. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that that's not part of my view of who they are mm. and, 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 and what I love is, the, is, the, is leaning into that mm-hmm. I love going well who else are you and who else are you and who else can you be and when will I get to see that person when mm-hmm. I meet people I'm more, much more interested in the other sides of them that are not exposed than the obvious one that's being presented mm. be- maybe because of the experience I'm having in, the, in my own Well, yeah,
2: you're able to, like, use...
0: I'm, I'm empathetic yeah. to their differentness and also curious about what their differentness <laughs> might be. Well, you know, I yeah. mean, not to be super crass, but I'm going to be really super crass. I
2: love
0: it. Why not? Because this is the kind of conversation, I think, where you can be super crass. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a mystery that we all have about uh, a person's sexual personality. Mm. And I don't mean sexuality. What I mean is, to be quite honest, what they're like in bed. <laughs> Okay? Yeah. <laughs> because in many cases we're exactly who we think people think we are and in many places we turn into a whole other different person it's just a fact of life we can all get over it it's yes. true and it's cool yes. it's a very cool thing and so i'm not saying that i'm spending all of my time meeting new people guessing or wondering what they're like but the, the knowledge that <laughs> that's all is, i do <laughs> the, 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 the knowledge that there's a character is mm-hmm. no, isn't all i do like, yeah. yeah i do do it but but the knowledge that there's a character that we are that is not apparent—one not mm-hmm. apparent—and also not for everyone yeah. to partake in—and um, but also is for certain people to partake in, or is for everyone to partake in if that person so chooses, right. like porn stars or whatever. Yeah, it's up to you how you expose that character or that side of you. But I'm using that as an example because it's the most polar. Kind right. of way to describe that there is a thing there we have different sides to ourselves and we need to I like knowing that we are different sides and, and in the world that we're living in today where we embrace trans people more, mm-hmm. not enough but more <laughs> and um, where liberal minded people are more Are at least liberal-minded people are more open and understanding of what what the trans experience really is in a way that before they even liberal people were like I can't I I don't know know what that is and you know help me and and but now there's definitely more like okay everyone let's get on board with the pronouns and the this
2: there's more uh, education there's
0: more education yeah so in this world where we are living in a way there's an openness that's potential it's really great when (laughs) We can kind of open ourselves up to the idea that people are all not just one thing, and I, I don't, and I don't mean that trans people are not are are that I'm not comparing trans. No, people to no. This, I'm just saying that sensibility allows us to see to see, hey, you know, there are everything's not so obvious and binary. It's just not. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I think we lived in a world even during Obama. Uh-huh. We lived in a world where we thought, okay, good people, bad people, and and you know there was this, there was no in between, uh-huh. and and the good people were always going to win, and the bad people were always going to just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. And I don't think we think that way anymore. I think we are more open and forced to be more open, whether we like it or not. Yeah. We're forced to be able to to be able to go. Oh, wow! The world is very complicated and the world is full of lots of different kinds of people and they have different facets and they have different motivations and I cannot change them if I want to Yeah. I can't just say here's my great beautiful um, groundbreaking president and that therefore the world has changed the world did change mm-hmm. but it didn't change the nature of humans Really? Yeah,
2: I can't. Yeah. You can't really
0: do that. And I think we were in some ways kind of naive to thinking that <laughs> yeah. believing in our everyday world going on to the world wow the world was unfolding in a way that felt very progressive and was moving in the right direction whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And 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 here we are today thinking this is 2019 when this was recorded. <laughs> um, that wow, it's not really quite like that. It's, it's very complicated. Yeah. And people are very complicated. And so that's what I like about meeting new people or, or assessing people is understanding the different facets of that. And that's why I'm interested in acting because mm-hmm. um, being interested in the different sides of people that sometimes are unexpected. And I think you're almost always up giving a better performance as an actor when you kind of find that thing that feels real but is unexpected. You choose the things on the list that are the obvious things to play a, any character based upon to base your character upon you' you're you're not doing yourself a service you're're you're, you're not deep going deep enough because people are way too complex for um, <laughs> um, you know um, evil people cry and you know all of these kind of dichotomy you know, these things that yeah. people think are are are, are exclusive of one another are really not the human experience is too complicated
2: I think like literally an example of that is you just just this year doing Mr. Robot and Nora from Queens in the same time (laughs) do you know what I mean like I think that that is such an example of like you as an actor being like I can do both
0: yeah and and that is what I mean Yeah, that is exactly what I mean I mean I did them within I was doing them at the same time Jesus I was doing them at the same time. There's one there's a video of me that hasn't come out yet that I will put on Instagram soon where I fast for I did a time lapse of me in the makeup chair at one show and then went to the same day to the other show and in a completely different mindset because it had to happen that one particular day. And and yeah, that's it's it's I'm so happy to be able to Mm -hmm. do that. I was just so I feel like I'm really myself when I'm doing that. And um, I feel like it was a long time coming for me to be able to do that kind of work or have that kind of day because yeah. I...
2: Well, I feel like you love it. Like.
0: I do love it. This is, this is how we started this conversation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly the way this conversation began, which was me going, yeah, I'm going to squeeze a lot of stuff in and, and do it all. in this And I remember my agents or my manager calling and saying, okay, this is gonna be very hard and very weird, but you're gonna have to do it because there's no other way around it. You have to go to Mr. Robot in the morning, and then when you're done with Mr. Robot, you have to get in a van and go to Nora. And I said, okay, that's, I mean, it's one day, right? It's not every day. Yeah. And then she said, yeah, so, um, and, and, and I think everybody should have an experience like that in their lives at one time or another because it's really interesting.
2: I think it's well. It's a good challenge to you as like a as a performer and an artist. Just as an artist in general, like yeah. being like, okay, I have to do that, yeah. and then how can I make that work and make sure that I'm very present in both tenses. That's right. Which That's is right. so beautiful. Yeah.
0: But I think hard. theater
2: prepares you for that.
0: The, you know <laughs> uh, that is absolutely right. I would have. I was just going to say that it has something to do with. It's a very theatrical kind of enterprise because the the um, the day to day and the kind of Discipline is kind of... I don't mean to say that people that work in television and movies aren't disciplined, but there's a training that comes with being in the theater. There's no question about that. And if you're really an actor in the theater, you've probably experienced some version of this training. Just by nature of the fact that if you've done enough shows, that's a training. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So even those who have not had formal training or class training or, or, or conservatory training have had a training in the theater by doing enough shows. And it, it is training to be in a bunch of television shows, too, but somehow there's a physical experience that you're having when you're in a play or in a musical that's different, that's more demanding, possibly. I'm not exactly It just feels
2: sure. like the stakes are high. Always it feels like, okay,
0: I'm doing... Yeah, you're using I'm your doing, body more. Yeah. More. You're using your voice. You're using... A, a, you're, you're also in a... Um, in a rehearsal process that lasts lasts for four weeks, you're in an intellectual process that you uh, you is very hard to learn in a television context. If mm-hmm. you're a young actor only doing television, you're not going to learn this kind of sensibility of table work and talking about character and going you know, talking about backstory and talking about what each line means and why <laughs> you're saying it the way you're saying you know why a portion of a scene means in context to the whole scene and all of that, you're going to rush that process in the tel- and you, you can become very good at rushing it and you can be still good and be a good actor but you're not going to have this um, foundation of discussing character that is so valuable to have that you get in the theater and so that do- did prepare me to kind of flip back and forth on that day um, to to be able to do it and not implode or to to be able to focus even um so that's nice that's a, that was a good thing
2: nice well, we're, we're reaching the end of this whole thing, oh, wow. which makes me sad, but we're going to do this part of the podcast that I did not prepare you for, oh, um, which yeah. is more improvised, where it's called a uh, short story, okay. and I'm just going to yell out a word, or I can, you can go first if you want, if you're, like, so bold, uh, but you or I will do a word suggestion, and then the other person will have two minutes to tell a story that may or may not be about that word.
0: Oh, my goodness. I oh, know. Man. Um. Um, no, I can't go first.
2: Okay, okay. I'll I'll go first. You think of a word, and then I'll start my time. Okay. You ready?
0: Oh wait, now and after the two minutes, I have to say my word, and then you do yours, or are we both? Oh, we'll
2: have a break. We'll have a second to break. <laughs> no, but I'm not gonna
0: say <laughs> my word until I'm done with my story. But you're gonna give me a word first.
2: Yes, I'm gonna give you a word, okay. and then you can.
0: Sorry to be so thick about this. No, oh, no, okay, I love I just it. I want to kind of get my process down.
2: <laughs> you're like That's I re- it. say, you're a prepared person. My theatrical training. Okay? <laughs>
0: Okay, so I'm getting ready to concoct a story or or recall a story that comes from a word that you're about to give me.
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and your word is violin. Violin?
0: Violin. Violin. Oh, shoot, I thought that was violins. um, when I was, um, a very little kid, I, uh, had a private, um, violin teacher and I was going to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, my parents were allowing me to be a, a, a violinist and that was creative and kind of performance related and so I was really excited about, the, I was really happy to be able to do it, like to have permission to do it because I think my parents were always kind of in the background of an issue for me, like will they let me do this creative thing, will they let me do this performance related thing and it was a, actually a long journey kind of discussing with them to be whether I could be an actor at when the time came. But I, I had a traumatic experience because everyone was really invested in me playing the violin. And, and there were two things that I, are related to this. One is that I realized after, um, when I was late in middle school, that I didn't like playing the violin, that I was really kind of just doing it because they let me do it, mm-hmm. and it was performance related. But it sure wasn't storytelling, and it sure wasn't like enjoying. You know, wasn't it wasn't funny or anything like that. So it was like kind of odd thing to realize slowly as I started to become an actor. And I go, oh, this is what I wanted to do. The other thing that I re- that I have never told anybody, and this is the, 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 this is my opportunity to say, <laughs> is that I accidentally stepped on my violin and broke it, and was so traumatized by this that I had to pretend that it was an accident because I just didn't think my parents would ever forgive me. I I I accidentally stepped on it and then I, I don't remember. They were all kind of fine with it because I was like, I don't know how this happened. Because I opened the case one day and it was like completely shattered. And um didn't tell anybody ever that I had stepped on it. And even now I'm kind of like nervous. Should, I,
1: this. should I say
0: that? <laughs> My two minutes are up, but um uh, yes,, you know, that's what happened in, it is when it comes to the violin.
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that the short story moment just gave you some catharsis on the violent story. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay, so okay, you're gonna give me a word uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I'll start my time. I'm mixed. Mixed. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm gonna start my time. Okay. So when I when I met Damon, because um, I'll just say this, uh, there was one time when I went. I was I was talking to him, and then I was like, you know, I never thought about like, I've never been attracted to, or not that I'm unattracted to, but I've just never been attracted to a. Uh, black man let alone like um a mixed black man and he goes oh no no no, honey I am not a dog I am not mixed and and I was like oh my god like he's so right um so that's how I learned the term like biracial is totally correct and um whenever I uh, this is such a weird thing um (laughs) when I've been like working in you know in New York for like a little bit I had a friend who is no longer my friend rest in peace uh she sucked but anyways she uh said to me one time you know you're not uh you're just mixed. You're not Asian enough to like understand cuz she was like 100% Korean. And I thought about that for a long time and I was like, "How dare you <laughs> for saying that to me? Um I can have experiences as like an Asian American person and I have dealt with them because my grandmother would like tell me all these stories and then she, you know, would make me kimchi all the time, da da da. So I like thought of this understanding of like that I was 100% Asian even though like I technically am not. So it was just so funny to me. So when she was like, Oh, you're just mixed. I'm like, ew! For, first of all, it's biracial. Second of all, <laughs> how dare you, jerk! Um, but yeah, that's what that word makes me think of. I think of Damon correcting yes. me, as he totally should. Yeah. And I love um, it. also this like weird experience with my friend. So there you go. I
0: love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, this is a real, a real issue, uh, not an issue, but a really fascinating. Not fascinating. This is a very rich topic for me. Mm. My, at my son's bar mitzvah. I mean, we all got to make a little speech. And, and, and the only thing I could think of to say is, you know, that after all this talk of who you are and what you are, I, I think I would love you to go through life thinking of yourself as all of both and not half of one. That's
2: beautiful.
0: And it's true, though. You know, the identity is not chemi- it's not a chemical. It's not kind of like portions. It doesn't mm-hmm. really work that way,
2: Yeah. actually,
0: when you think about it. Your it's identity true. is informed by... It doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with how you physically appear mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with that it is more well it can to casting directors or whatever <laughs> or to your friend. that's that's it's really dumb mm-hmm. but but really what more is it's it's who are you that's a yeah. that's not that's not a chemical equation that's yeah not, you know like when i say chemical i mean like mixing one of the other and <laughs> and, and, and making this you know uh, an end product or whatever it's not that so, anyway.
2: Yeah. No, it, it's all those things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for squeezing oh, me in yet again. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I'm still going to pimp all of your stuff coming out, but is there any other project that we uh, may kind of know about that you want to talk about yeah, for a second?
0: I, mean, I have been working more as a writer and director. Now.
2: Mm. I just directed a play called The Great Leap
0: um, at the Pasadena Playhouse, which is um, running now, um, depending upon when this comes out. It was a great experience, and I have very kind of great success, luckily enough, and and, and that, that that makes me feel good, and it's it, that was a really really great experience. And then I'm continuing to develop with my writing partner, uh, Wayne Barker, the composer, our adaptation of Mister Holland's Opus, which we are in deep in development with a group of, of a theater called the Wilson Center for Performing Arts in Wilmington, North Carolina, and doing this really fun. Um, community interaction where we're developing the show with um, young actors and young musicians and actors from the community um, who are really high school students, and <laughs> and there are high school students characters in the sh- in the show. So it's been very valuable and heartwarming experience, um, not just as 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 people you know heartwarming as people, but as writers it's been really valuable to see what real high school students are playing these roles and we have several development readings coming up in the spring and we're in talks for a an actual production which will be in the summer that will I'll let you know when that's really final and that project has been, taken up a lot of <laughs> bandwidth for me and, I, I, and happily so because I really really love writing I really love writing lyrics I really like directing musicals and so um, I'm following that Nora from Queens is going to air in January And Mr. Robot is is, is ending its, um, is airing its last episodes by Christmas Wow! So that's all new stuff And then there's a Jurassic World 3 Which will be made in June I, It will be made next year And I think I'm working on it in
2: June Wow Okay, so you're pretty free time-wise okay. And um, yeah, retirement's fine, right?